Hi, welcome to Stammer Stories. My name is William Levin, and I'm your host and founder of this podcast. In this podcast, we talk about stammering from all perspectives. I'll be talking to people who stammer, people who are in the stammering field, and people who have a general interest in the topic. So today's guest is Sabrina Russo. We've actually met before, but we'll talk about that later. Sabrina has a stammer, but she's also now a newly qualified speech and language therapist, which is going to be really interesting to talk about different things that she's learned from now being a therapist about her stammer. So Sabrina, can can you please introduce yourself and, and tell me what you do for, for a living? Hi, William. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm Sabrina and I'm actually almost a newly qualified speech and language therapist. If all goes well, I will be working as such in September. Um, and I have a stammer, although maybe you can't, it's not very easy to, to hear in English. I am originally a native Italian speaker and I've had a, uh, I've had a, a stammer all my life. Um, wow. So talking from that, did you, so, so let's talk about your stammer. When did you first realize you had one, but also how was it when you were younger? So I had a stammer, I guess, since I was born, since I started to talk. Um, the first time I realized I had one, or there was a problem with the way I talked, was when I had to read in class, I think my first year. Uh, I was about seven, I guess. And that's when I realized that I was anxious about uh, my turn uh, reading aloud. That was uh, stressful. But I think the biggest realization was came actually later. Of course, I knew that there was something that um, was different in my speech. But the first time that people told me openly um, or made me understand, like were, were explicit about saying something about my speech, that's when it really hit me. And I was a bit older then, maybe 10, 11. So um, I didn't receive, uh, I, I wasn't bullied. Uh, but I did, I did find it difficult sometimes because there would be, you know, the occasional child making making fun of me. Yeah, can totally relate to everything you said about reading in school. And one question that I have, and then I've been thinking about, is so because you you're, you're a native Italian speaker, but you're uh, so do you speak fluent English now? I I'll say so. Um, and it's funny because, so I learned English, um, I started to learn English when I was about 12 and I, I started to use it in my daily life when I, uh, went to study abroad and I was, and I guess I've, um, I've used different pathways in my brain to speak English because I learned at a different age. And um, it, it, it became obvious that I, I didn't stammer as much. And it was quite a liberating feeling. Now, I've been living here for 15 years. I have a master in something else. And now I'm doing a, this master in speech and language therapy. So I've, you know, I use English extensively. And, and I can do it without having the same pressure that I have when I speak Italian. And when you were learning in... In, in English, did you notice your stammer? Was your stammer bad, or, or, or was it different when 
when you were I, learning English? Did you notice your stammer sort of affecting it? I think, I think actually, I probably stammered a bit, but I didn't notice that. Uh, it was, it was not even. This is strange to say, but when I came to London and I started to live here, initially I did not realize that it was so much easier for me to talk. Really? It's, when I, it's when I went, it was natural, I was just talking. But I, it's when, when I was going back home and I had to speak Italian that suddenly I realized how much worse it was. And, and then being here and speaking English was quite a liberating feeling because uh, I didn't have to worry every time. I still had difficulties. For example, saying say my name, it's something that I really struggle with. I, it's very difficult to introduce myself. Or if someone asks, asks my name and I'm, I'm taken aback, I sometimes just can't, can't say it. Um, but it was a completely different experience of speaking. Wow. And sort of following from that, um, can you tell me, tell me a time when you struggled with your stammer? But how, but how did you overcome that situation? Um, I would say that the answer to that is that I'm a chatterbox. I'm very, <laughs> I, I did the opposite. You too, you too? exactly. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes I came across as someone that spoke too much and too fast and could simply not stop. Um, and I think that helped because... I would just try to overcome the blocks with more words. Um, and actually I had to work a little bit on that when I came to this country and I was, you know, I worked in, in another field for a few years and I realized that sometimes I had to actually take a step back and, and listen more and speak less. Um, but yeah, as a child, I would just continue to talk and, uh, Words at people until I I overcome the the hurdle. And some of the things that I used to do when I was younger was find alternative words. But sometimes those alternative words weren't the correct words for those sentences. Like, did you do that as well? Where you try and find different ways of, of trying to say what you're trying to say, but it may not work. Yes, I did. And uh, the realization that I was using that mechanism came uh, um, later on in my teenage years when I realized that actually I was doing that quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so in one sense, I had uh, very little awareness of my stammering. I knew uh, that I stammered, but I did not realize how, how much, like how I was trying to compensate for, for it in many different ways. Um, Years ago, I suddenly realized uh, after hearing someone that was talking about uh, giving a different name when someone asked their name that because they couldn't say theirs, that I've actually done that too. And I've done that too, uh, but at that time, it didn't seem that strange. No, like it is fascinating how like, different people have different techniques, but also I sort of find that people who stammer, for me personally, I'm a very talkative person, which people don't really put together because normally a stammer holds people back. Have you come across such in your training, young people, people who stammer are normally more talkative in a conversation than maybe someone who doesn't stammer? I haven't mapped actually so far in my practice because I've only been on placement and 
stammering is something that, of course, as, as speech and language therapists, you see often. As a speech and language therapy student, I happen to see not as not not much, um, but there is definitely a, a wide range of uh, of reaction uh, and attitude to speaking when it comes to stammering. And so I think you can have us on one extreme, and then uh, the child that decides to withdraw and uh, and don't say. I had experienced time in which I really wanted to say something and I really wanted to contribute to a conversation, but I decided not to. Because at that point in time, it would have been just too much for me to, to do it. And so, but, you know, I weighed the two, the two things and decided that perhaps uh, I could have avoid myself the, the effort of trying to talk at a time in which it would be too difficult. Yeah. So from someone having a stomach to someone to now being a speech and language therapist, that's, that is so, so inspiring because I really look up to my speech and language therapists because they have changed my life from giving me different techniques but also realising that it's okay to stammer. What made you want to become a speech and language therapy and what do you hope to see in the, yeah, over, the over years, over the next few years change? A good question. I think this is actually quite central to me. Um... So as I said, I grew up having a stammer, but not being completely aware of the degree of, of, of it, how, how bad it was, and how much I was trying to change the way I spoke to overcome it. I came here and there was, was less of an issue. And for a few years as a young woman, um, getting married and you know, having a job uh, that, you know, I, I having lots of colleagues and things, you know, being at events, I really enjoyed the fact that I didn't have this problem um, and um, and I just stopped thinking about it almost. I did in private and I would still be very emotional about the idea of my stammer in private, but then something happened. So I became a mom. I became a mom. I have two kids that interrupted the recording a second ago. And um, upon having my first daughter, it was just, um, here I become emotional. A light bulb, like a, sorry, a, a epiphany. And I was walking down the street. She was so young, she didn't even talk. She was not even one year old. And suddenly I thought about um, the possibility that she, that she would stammer. And that made me very upset. <laughs> so I made me very upset. And at the same time, I thought, well, you know, I stammer, so there is a genetic component here that could happen to her, my father's stammer, I don't know if I mentioned that. And I was experiencing this. At the same time, I was very scared of potentially passing this on to my daughter. And at the same time, not feeling any resentment against a parent who potentially passed it on to me. Um, and so those two feelings made me really anxious. And suddenly I was like, well, wait, wait a minute, she could have help. Even if she stammers, she could have a speech and language therapist that help her. And I found myself at a point in my life in which I wasn't really happy with what I was doing uh, professionally. So I was like, well, wait a minute, I, I have a degree in languages and I like linguistics and I'm interested in how the brain function and I read books in my spare time about that. I stammer, but perhaps I could be a speech and language therapist and do this. It sounds like a perfect thing. And that's how it happened. So it took me a little bit but then I applied, eventually managed to get in the course. 
And um, and I forgot what you asked me, but this is how I got to, <laughs> to the decision of changing jobs and, and starting a career in this field. Wow, that's so amazing from hearing that perspective. But this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast, is to show how, how deep having a stammer is, but also the effects of how it affects us privately and um, then how our thoughts can most can sometimes be about our stammer rather than the overall situation. Like I've had situations where I've been more anxious about my stammer than the actual job interview or like the actual speech because I've been wondering will, will it have my will, it, will my stammer affected what will people think if I stammered. Like when I met Sabrina, so I was doing a speech at the speech of Lang um, to speech and language students at the City of London University, and I was talking to my boss beforehand. Was thinking, it's really weird how I'm nervous about stammering, but that's the reason why I'm doing the speech is for them to see my stammer. And then yeah. I thought, what if I don't stammer? Then she's like, it, it's one of those topics where you where it's so ingrained into someone's thoughts because it's our voice we always think about it whenever we produce a sentence or, or whenever we do a presentation and i think sometimes it's just really i don't think people realize how much it affects us personally if and, and and how big of a deal a certain situation could be and i have thought about will my kids stammer when i have kids will they stammer or because I'm the first person from my family stammer, and I have thought about that was from starting this new family gene about stammering in the family, and you don't really hear the side of it in the press or already spoken about. And one of the things that I'd like to go into next is the 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 pandemic has affected us all massively, and it's like for myself, it's affected my stammer because it I'm not going to work and normally why my stammer is better when I'm sociable. How have you found the last year regarding your stammer? Um, first of all, I need to say that since I made this change and I moved away from what I was doing professionally and uh, went back to university, um, of course, as a result of my choice, I decided to be more open about my stammer and that really helped. It really helped, and uh, I can stammer more freely, and that's one of the things that we say, right? Yeah. Uh, be free to stammer and be open about it with the people I, I met, who happen to be future speech and language therapists, so should should be quite understanding about it. And so the last, I think, two years of, of my life has, has been, been easier. Um, the pandemic has... Um, I think it's not... Uh, the way it affected me is that I was stuck at home with my children who had to be homeschooled. And we are a bilingual household because, uh, of course, I try to speak Italian with my children, but they study English um, at school. And I stammer more in Italian, which means that the language that I choose to use with my children is the one in which I, am, I have an impairment that is much more noticeable uh, and sometimes very stressful. Um, for me, when I when I when I speak to them, and tiring because sometimes I would like to just revert to English, so that um, I don't have to stammer. 
um, especially sometimes with children, it's quite difficult. There is tension, there is, you know, the pandemic and having been all here at home during the lockdown wasn't always easy. So for me, there was an issue, like not really experiencing a difficulty uh, with other people, but um, struggling with the bilingualism, the, bi the bilingualism and having to uh, continue to speak Italian, which is the language that I struggle most with. Um, so that they could be bilingual and continue to be. But for example, having to do um, the homeschooling in English and so the continuous change and be uh, having this responsibility that I usually don't have. Uh, and so say, okay, I'm doing the homeschooling in English. I stammer, I stammer less in English and then find myself, despite being at home with them, maybe speaking more the language that I find it easier in the sense, but it's not most useful for, for, for them in terms of becoming bilingual. Well, we're now going to sort of um, speech and language therapist Sanji. What advice would you have for people who's done with I'm starting to go, go back to the office now, um, pacing it out. And I know lots of people who are scared about going back to the office because they've not sort of used their voice as such as they would in going back to the office or, or like going back to school. Like lots of young people will possibly be afraid of going back to school because they're stammer because they've not really had that social one-on-one -on -one interaction. What sort of advice would you have for those people going back to the office or not like going back to school from a, from a therapist perspective? I don't know if this is a therapist perspective because I, I mean, I, I fear to give my therapist perspective not being qualified. And also, I've, really, I've never professionally worked with people with a with a stammer. But one thing that I that I can say is that that, that kind of like um, uh, takes a bit from what I've studied in the past couple of years and my experience is that the the pandemic um, actually and um, gave us an opportunity to reset. Sometimes to 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 reset what the relationship that we have with other people are, um, as given in one way, um, as given us the, the power perhaps to talk more about mental health and how we because we were all affected uh, in our mental health or most of most of us, and so perhaps the pandemic also gives people who stammer an opportunity to have a conversation with their uh, boss or with their colleagues that is quite honest about uh, why it might be difficult for them to come back to work and to have to use their, their voices more or being on Zoom, for, for example. Um, and so I think in one way, the pandemic is giving us this, uh, this chance that perhaps last year we wouldn't have had, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have found a reason to go and speak with our team leader about it because, because we didn't experience this. Well, that's, that's perfect advice because I, I've spoken to my team about my stomach. I've always been very open about my stomach from day one. I literally told told my boss in our very first chat when I first saw my company that I had a stammer. And but like I have spoken about it because I, I am conscious about the social, how going from working at home by myself to working in a team become back at the office will affect my stomach. But it's one of those things that I think people with a stomach just overthink. They they think of the worst that will happen and not 
more positive side of it. Like I've used this time to work on my stamina, and I think the pandemic has sort of improved our stamina because we've sort of learned more about it in different situations. And following from that is, I'm completely forgotten what I was about to ask you. Um, so if you could ask, so this is a question that I ask all our guests that I don't take to you beforehand. And when you think of someone who, someone famous who stammered, who do you think of? Good question. Um, uh, there are many, there are many. I think, I think Joe Biden now is the one that everyone is talking about. Yeah. Um, because, because of what he achieved. I mean, he basically has a job in which he needs to talk all the time to the entire world. And, yeah. um, and, uh, and he looks like he, he's able to manage very, very well. Um, and also, I, I would say him because of the struggle and uh, that they were during the campaign again against Trump, in which uh, because of his stammer, and this was something that was obvious or probably only to speech and language therapists or pathologists out there called there, or to people that stammer, who, who stammer, how he was affected in some of his, um, in his uh, debate during the campaign and he was accused of being senile and he was accused of you know not making sense and he was accused perhaps of being not that smart and people that understood what he was going through knew exactly that that's not not that's not what's happening uh that there was a problem with his speech rather than than anything else so i think that was quite telling of um sometimes what can be the general perception of people um towards those who stammer and and that's why it's i can only think of him now although there are many more like it's been really fascinating for me hearing different people mention different names like so far we had um king george we've had um the actor who plays darth vader ah. um joe biden like i've learned some myself i'm like oh they have a stammer and, and like it's just been fascinating to hear who different people like we've had joe biden before but i think joe biden's a perfect example to inspire people who stammer to say so they are afraid of talking at a event or, or their school presentation if joe biden can do a speech to the world with a stammer that will hopefully in, in inspire people to host that event or host that meeting. So my final question is, so if you could give three pieces of advice to someone who stammer uh, and, and someone who doesn't stammer, what would they be? I found this was <laughs> the most difficult question. Um, uh, Three pieces of advice for uh, those who stammer. Um, I think, I mean, I wouldn't say this, um, but I think actually social media is really good. So social media is really good because it helps you to connect with a variety of people and a huge amount of people who stammer. And uh, it makes you feel that, as you said, it's actually okay. It's actually okay to, to be open about it. And um, you're right, like sometimes we feel that this is the worst, the worst thing that can happen. Try to think about, you know, 
but worse could you know could, could happen to you and then summer it will it will appear probably less of a problem and give it a try just give it a try um and see how it works um trying to be a bit more open about it with friends family colleagues um or just people you meet now i seem to do that quite a lot i keep introducing myself to you know parents at pickup or like oh you know i'm retraining um as an slt and i stammer and it's kind of like a piece of information i give to everyone he's liberating and i can say that before i couldn't say that word so clearly um three though it's difficult to give three i think this is a main advice to people who stammer don't be afraid and uh to people who don't stammer the usual give time don't interrupt um and ask question in this case if it's an intelligent question <laughs> i know that we should say that there are no stupid questions but sometimes there might be i would say that um people can ask questions uh you know um that are um that they have thought about um about summer so if, if they want to know more about it it might take someone aback maybe uh but who knows it might spark a conversation that to help that person exactly and like that that's one of the key pieces of advice that i say is that most of the time people who stammer want to talk about their stammer and explain it and so don't be afraid to ask that question because you learn so much about that person but also you'll give that person time to express stammering and it's a topic that's not spoken about as much and and that may help you if you come across another person who stammers and you think oh this is what i uh what advice that i was given so how how, how can i put it in 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 into practice yeah so thank you so much for for joining this episode with us sabrina then as i mentioned before we have some really exciting guests coming on uh, and we are so excited to see the podcast grow so it'd be great so if you could follow us on instagram and twitter as we post all, all of our exciting updates and facts see you next time in two weeks